Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Everyone of them wants up. Hello and welcome to the Paper Talk Extra podcast. Well, it started in rugby and soccer and now it's even affecting the GA. Media bands are all the rage these days, guys. So we turn to our last refuge, the final bastion of media, Paper Talk. Today, Mikey Sheehan will be refusing to cooperate with my requests, except to promote his line of, new line of energy drinks. And Pete McMahon will be offering no comment on that thing we agreed not to talk about earlier. <laughs> so the big game this weekend is rugby. Ireland v Wales and Six Nations. Ireland's perfect record, our Grand Slam hopes, coming up against a big obstacle with Wales. But guys, for all our optimism, the last three years of Six Nations games, just looking at the results, Wales 22, Ireland 9 last year. Wales 16, Ireland 16 in Dublin two years ago. Wales 23, Ireland 16 in 2015. Are we overconfident, guys? Yeah, the, the bookies have Ireland. And sorry, before we, we go into this, if you're a sport, an armchair sports fan, looking forward to this weekend, you have everything. You have absolutely everything. Um, and it should, it should make for a cracking weekend. Um, the rugby probably being one of the more prominent games on the, on the, the calendar and the fixture list. And... Um, I think the bookies are being a bit over optimistic having Ireland favourites for this game. It's even the price they're so short or one to three one is to the three. best price they're shorter than that in places. Wales were Wales have been backed off in four to one into around seventy two and seventy two looks a huge price on like for like like Ireland are definitely for this match overrated. And, and is this Ireland being overrated or Wales being underrated or probably both? There's a bit of both. I think the Wales underrated thing has to come into it against England. Um, they they battled, they were down twelve nil. I think two early tries from the English, and I thought Wales, except for some handling errors and in vital moments in that game, should have had one or two tries. And and, and they were very unlucky to not slide in the corner. I think it was Williams, was it? That um, and they were incorrectly overruled on Claymore as well. That's right. Um, I thought Wales put up a very very good performance away to England. And when you consider that they have Dan Bigger, Liam Williams, and Lee Halfpenny back in the team this week, George North came on against England and is on the bench again uh, this weekend. I, I think it's a very very strong Wales. And it, what I thought was fantastic watching the Wales game. I watched them very closely because I knew they were Ireland's next opponents um, against England was the influence that Alan Wynne-Jones has on things he is a phenomenal captain it's mm. the way he talks to the referee it's the way he gathers the troops after being down 12-0 and he was just so inspirational for that Welsh team it's not, not alone in just his performance and that he puts himself about there but uh, he walks the walk you know he's putting himself in front of every single tackle that he can and with his age and with the number of caps he has he still has the same hunger and desire to to help Wales I think his influence in this Wales team is is crucial you never get an easy game against Wales and I think as Pete alluded to the the odds there are very much stacked in Ireland's favour but I don't see it being that way as well especially as well then when you look at the Irish team and, and Pete might just even the touch on some parts here is that you're missing your first your first choice centre partnership mm. in Hinshaw and Ringrose. Um Ringrose and Larmer is Larmer, which I don't who I, I don't believe is ready for this Joe Smith setup yet, um, but will be. Um, he's got some phenomenal skills. But you're missing your first choice centre partnership. You're also missing Ty Furlong 
and you're po- sorry and I say this without knowing the team at the time and you're also missing Ian Henderson possibly yeah, they're widely expected to miss out and that's three lines gone right there absolutely you know um, the, 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 I, I, I think look if you got to win out of this game I'd be very very happy is it weird that when you said three lines that came into my head I was like three lines <laughs> I don't know what. but uh, one little element of the match that probably shouldn't go under the radar is and it, like, it could be a small thing but it's Gatlin's 100th game in charge of Wales and if the players are aware of that they'd be hell-bent and making sure it's not a bad day at the office and Gatlin, also Gatlin doesn't have a love affair with Ireland either no so no he doesn't also you could argue that Wales probably possibly had the best form going into well one of the form of the good, best side going into this because you know the performance they put up against England they were robbed of a try they should have been given which would have brought them within a point and they had a conversion as well now I know it's not an exact science but mm. they also won their first game so they come into this match on the back of two decent performances nobody expect them to annihilate Scotland Scotland have since gone away and had a decent result against France albeit their defence is clearly clearly shaky but they've done quite well it's the first week that they've had a full complement to choose from according to the manager so that's a massive thing for obviously for any club or any team which is a, in any sport or whatever um, the fact that Dan Bigger Liam, Lee, Liam Williams and Lee Halfpenny are back in the fold that is obviously it's a massive massive fill up for Wales also push the guys that are already there and I would think that the loss of Henshaw is going to have a bigger effect on Ireland than people think because he was just one of those it players so to speak and he was going good guns I know that Ring Rose and Larmer have a lot to offer as well but certainly for me having watched the two games in closely I think that Henshaw I wouldn't be underestimating his loss even though obviously Ireland now as we spoke about in the show before have many backup players for every role but I certainly think the Henshaw is in a good place mentally and I think he's going to be a big loss I think it was a sneaking feeling this is going to be a tricky tricky game for Ireland mm-hmm. um, to the point where like also as well I was looking at the score lines of the games in the championship minus the games of Bayern in Italy I think so I was obviously about to ask that four games and none of the matches were won by more than just converted three. So mm-hmm. statistically, the matches have been incredibly close. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I could see this being incredibly close as well. And the fact that Gatlin will have a plan in place to try and curb the influence of Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray would concern me as an Irishman. And, and, and saying that, saying that with all the, the positivity about Wales and a small bit of negativity in the injuries about Ireland, we're still at home though. You know, the, there's an expectation that, like Joe Schmidt, has built up a squad of players that when we do have these injuries, and we speak about it here in the, the podcast quite a bit, that he has built up two players for every position, if not three in some positions, that now with the injuries is the time to be actually, you know, showing that this plan or this master plan is actually going to, going to work. And um, as I said, I'll go back to the centre partnership about with Chris Farrell and Bundyaki, who I'd say we believe it will be Chris Farrell and Bundyaki in there. They should be able to slot in to what he Schmidt would have wanted Hinshaw and Ringrose to do. Mm. It should be like for like in terms of uh, the game that Schmidt wants to play. So, look, Ireland are still at home. You've still got the world class uh, partnership in Sexton and Murray there. You've got, uh, I think, out of the front eight, you, Ireland nearly have 20 odd players that could play in those front eight positions. Um, so, look, you're still at home. It is going to be a tight game. I don't expect too many tries in it. And if I'm to put my neck on the line, I think it's going to be a draw. Oh, yeah! Oh, you, heard draw, draw. Draw. you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Jeez, oh, that's a that's a bold prediction. Really. But I think you made a good point there, Steve. Seriously, about the the head to head 
record between the two teams. I think that's a huge thing in sport and every code and particularly in the Six Nations, I find that, you know, teams that do well against other teams, like England, for example, playing the Calcutta Cup against Scotland the weekend, they beat Scotland for fun. Mm. And even though Scotland are on the back of a, Fran- a good, decent win over France, again, like, you know, to go into that match and you would think that England should get over them. It's just, it's like Liverpool when they play Everton at, it's pretty at, at anywhere. You know, it's just a psychological yeah. thing and it's... What I worry about with the Irish team looking at it there is try scoring ability I, I'm not sure we've seen that flair that much from Ireland they, they couldn't get through against France I know obviously they're active mm-hmm. scoring against Italy as everyone tends to do but in this Wales matchup if you're talking about matchups like Joe Schmidt he won his first game in the Six Nations against him hasn't won the three years since then there's only two tries in those last three games one of those is a penalty try and it just at times against France particularly you wonder the system is great and it works very well to an extent but does it take out a bit of a spark of creativity out of the team and just maybe limit some of that kind of off the cuff offloading type of rugby that can be very effective I think you are 100% right there it does take out the off the cuff stuff but that's exactly what Schmidt wants to do he Mm. wants to now every player on the pitch doing exactly to the letter of the game plan that he says I can literally see them on the training ground literally going through play by pass never mind saying play by play he wants everything done and at the end of the day you can't fault the man he's getting results left right and centre but you are right to sometimes and this goes back to the zero argument that if he goes off course and off the cuff and does something like that I think that's why he's not in the team for the record now yeah, it's not just the France move, but the, the, the Joe Schmidt thing I think is taken from, and I don't know, if, I'm not going to say from the Jim Gavin playbook because Jim Gavin could have taken from the Joe Schmidt playbook probably yeah. initially when he was at Leinster, but it's followed a process, followed a structure, followed a template, and the success will follow. It may not be the prettiest. If I, if I was to ask both of you, who would you like to see if you were to go watch a GA football match? I don't know if Dublin would be in your top two or three teams to actually watch. You'd be looking at. You'd like to see Kerry play. You'd like to see mm. maybe. Uh, uh, they would be me. They definitely. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. No, I don't But they're still very structured in how they do it. Yeah. Very structured. Yes, but it's probably even easier in rugby. Not easier, but it's easier in rugby to be more structured because the game is more stop-start then. Yeah, yeah, but can you be structured with a bit more flair? That's what I wonder. Yeah, and I think it's finding that balance is, is obviously quite difficult in, in any code, but particularly, I suppose, in rugby. But look at like, the, When you look at, actually, Eric just came to me there, Ireland, France, even in the winning move for the drop goal, which was sensational in terms of how they kept recycling the ball 41 mm. times, but it still required a very risky cross-field kick to make the type of progress up the field that they needed to make. Mm. I mean, there was very little go forward momentum was been there. You're, you're saying that sex, like, yeah. You're saying that sex and didn't make that audacious cross field kick that they probably wouldn't have got the score because they weren't making the yardage. Well, yeah, well, that was why he did it because yeah, he, yeah. he was looking around him and they were probably wilting as he would at that stage of the but match. That goes back to the creativity you're talking about, mm. but if that creativity wasn't in the play. Yeah. Like I said, there's no line break in that move. So that was nuts. Not also, it's not something you can do in the training ground. So to be fair to them, they definitely that was that. Like if they're talking about plays that are off the cuff, that's more or less to a point. Mm. I would say it's totally off the cuff. But it comes back to my point. I think I think uh, as I said this before the Italian game, um, but I think it's now becoming easier for opposition managers to know what way Ireland are going to play mm. because they are so structured. It's a good point. I suppose looking at the positives, 
in terms of yeah we've been very know, negative actually towards well, I suppose it is yeah. Yeah. but you know what we're we're that's a good thing that we're looking for ways yeah. to find them to yeah. get even better because they're that good at the moment this is actually like back in the day when I was watching as a child in the five six, six, six nations you're like Jesus this is difficult to watch like yeah. you know yeah. now, now they're like ah oh, there's a bit of a razzmatazz about them to get the job done at the end of the day we all want to follow a winning team but I can you know that's the reality and they've been I suppose the structure has worked well as well it kind of set the platform outside them I know Conor Murray Johnny Saxon it's a very effective partnership the pack has been very good but up against Wales and missing those guys you have Andrew Porter expected to be in there James Ryan who's been good but is inexperienced would you worry there that missing those names that the next guy's down there is some lack of experience there that Wales could take advantage of well, or are they ready first? I, th- I think you've got to look at this longer term as well um, mm. I think that you will need the likes of Andrew Porter and um, sorry, who, oh, yeah, James Ryan J- James Ryan sorry yeah Andrew Ryan or uh, Andrew Porter and James Ryan to be actually getting these high intensity mm. games because we, we could need these in a quarter final of a World Cup in mm. 18 months time and mm. I think if we do lose this game but you know get the performance or get a performance out of those guys or even if we don't at least they've gone out there and experienced the games like we're not going to be playing a centre partnership of Farrell and Aki again I go back to these two you know but we will need there is no way that we're going to be able to play our first 15 in every single game in the World Cup in 18 months time I suppose when you look at where Leinster I suppose if you look at the pack even with Dan Levy as well coming in there a lot of those are drawn from young Leinster players they're going very well so the backups are probably stronger than they ever have been to come into a team like this. Absolutely, and and even though he wouldn't say so in public, because he would always say, "Well, it's all about the next game." Smith has one eye on the World Cup. Mm. That is why these guys are getting game time and correctly getting game time, as mm. Mikey said. It's not just about the man in front of you. It's the team behind you. You fight together, or you fall together. Only one team can stand tall. Ronan O'Gara, Donal Lenehan and Simon Lewis write exclusively for the Irish Examiner throughout the rugby season. For their brilliant insights on this week's key matches, get behind the Irish Examiner. Moving on to soccer, it's a big weekend of action with Chelsea's visit to Manchester United followed by the League Cup final, Manchester City and Arsenal in there. But I suppose looking at us following on from the Champions League, we saw Man United, they weren't very exciting last night did you make it through the 90 minutes guys they haven't been very exciting for quite some time um, at all I know it's easy to say as a as some a support of another team but United are a f- reflection of Mourinho's attitude towards the sport I think at the moment I think he has lost his grow for it um, even last night when Rashford in the second half pulled a shot across the face of goal the camera panned him and he kind of looked just unperturbed he has no sense of it doesn't give him this is, it looks to me like he has no it doesn't give him meaning anymore he, he just looks a beaten docket to me and I don't know why that is because he, he, his record in the CV is obviously second to none but to be fair a lot of the players United have as well like, like you know, the reality is for Manchester United for the size of the club Manchester United it's a lot of those players are kind of average like which is not given how much they've Spent. Which is odd, given like Pogba has just been a prima donna, hasn't done anything at all, really. 
he was good at the start of the season, but when the crunches come, like for me, that story about Pogba after he got sent off against Arsenal said an awful lot. The fact that they had to send support staff around to his house the next day to get him out of bed, and they thought there was something wrong because they couldn't get hold of him on the mobile. Like that's as unprofessional as it gets. Yeah, like right, if you're right. sent off the day before, you'll be there trying to bust the gut the next day, trying to look in, in can, to say to your teammates, "Sorry about this or whatever," not not show up and make them worried about you. Um, Rashford, Martial, I just don't see it with them. I think they're bang overrated players. I really, really do. And I've thought this for a long time. Lukaku's a flat track bully. Doesn't do anything in big matches. Hasn't done anything in big matches at all. Now, Mikey, he's looking at me. He's like, shut up. <laughs> As a United fan. No, I'm not being... No, I'm not. I like, I, what I can't understand is they're second in the Premier League. Doesn't say much about Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal. To say that United, at the moment, are somehow second in that division. But they're solid. I mean, they're still. But sure, well, like they're they solid. It's brilliant. But it's Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to firstly respond to Pete uh, yeah. <laughs> after he like attacking and tearing, <laughs> tearing strips of the United squad. Um, and I'll come back to the solid point in a second because I think that solid point we all know the reason for that solid point. Um, <laughs> Which brings us back to Mourinho. Yeah. yeah. So Jose, I think you're seeing a small bit of a Arsene Wenger Mark II here. I, I think what you're seeing is that is, it, is this meant to be defending United here? <laughs> no, that's no, a good point. It's a good point. I, I think that uh, Winger's approach to the game when he first came into England worked wonders. It was new, it was fresh, it was different, it worked, and you can see that by the trophies Arsenal won up to the 2000s. Um, and then with the influx, people saw that people changed, the world moved on, different methods, different approaches, different tactics, different structures happened. And they left Winger behind him. Winger has still been left behind him. We know the problems Arsenal are facing at the moment. I think Winger or Mourinho is going through something very similar at the moment. We all know what type of style he wanted to play. He wanted a Drogba-esque up front. He wanted two sitting in front of the defence. He wanted, you know, strong left and right backs, you know, mm. the, you know maybe not her the Luke Shaw-esque, you know, but just strong and defensive-orientated. And he wanted three guys who would work def- defensively as well as attacking players. The likes of, you know, he had Damien Duff and Arian Robin, for example, at Chelsea, who used to go up and down the field for him because this was new, this was the way, and this worked. Um, I think now with time has moved on in the impasse of time, that doesn't work anymore with these type of players. And what I would say about the United Squad, I know you're saying they've got some very average players, but... You but know, I'm just saying, in the context of Manchester United... Uh, I you know, know, but United would have always had a number of average in their squad, enough, yeah. right? They, they would have always had 11 superstars and I think we're not at 11 superstars yet but we are in a position where you could put out a team where you'd have De Gea and Boyes a good player Luke Shaw can get to that level Valencia has been very consistent in that area with a long time Matic was one of the best players in the Premiership in that position at the moment you have the likes of Mata, Martial, Rashford, Sanchez behind the striker of Lukaku who scores X amount of goals per year you're not a million miles away from 11 very decent players there and I know some of the backup players and McTominay will get there but it's not the Mourinho then so that, uh, what yeah. I'm getting to is that there has to be something wrong with what they're being told to do and the, the structure that they're being put into because these are not bad players and I, I, I honestly and think, I've got Pogba in as well I honestly think he doesn't motivate he, it looks to me like he's barely motivated himself at the moment yeah, now uh, look it's easy for us to say we only see him on the touchline you, you and look at the end of the day he won two trophies last year my own club haven't won a trophy since about World War One, but like 
the reality is this is Manchester United we're talking yeah. about. You know, it's not we're not talking about a team trying to break into the, the upper echelons of elite football. We're talking about Manchester United. Mm. Is it really good enough for their supporters? I well the, the supporters have grown up on the basis of the last twenty Alex Ferguson era and we absolutely mm. spoiled in terms of the way Ferguson was able to take a team, change it if it wasn't working and put out something that was still going to give you flair, defensive solidity and two or three goals a game. Like mm-hmm. at Old Trafford, the United were nearly unbeatable and they had a style of playing and Ferguson kept, and we spoke about this before coming in to talk on the podcast, was that uh, it was simple, he kept things simple. It was 4-4-2. It was two defensive midfielders with two wingers, two good strikers, one of them working harder than the other and a good, solid back four. But then the game has evolved as well. That, that's what I'm saying. But... but why I haven't seen many teams try four four two in a lot. Well, it actually, it's, it's funny. Well, if a team true. use four four two, it might throw other teams out at this stage. I, 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 just I, 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 they're in that position. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a come full circle. Like, like, yeah. Leicester and Ranieri were the example. Well, it, was, it worked. Yeah, there was more yeah. to that than Metti. Yeah, that was a that was an odd year. That's a, that's a yeah. podcast in itself. That's yeah. yeah. Well, they had they had three releg- three years where they were relegation contenders, and one year where they won the title. But look, that that is my thoughts on United. No confidence. We've still got to remember that they're still in the Champions League. Uh, they have a second leg in Old Trafford. Uh, they are going through a bit of a, a down, a bit of a drab patch, as we call it, which I think is still capable of being turned around, even within this year, with a few mm. minor changes and a few differences in approach. So we're still in the Higgins Seville in three weeks' time. Um, we're in an FA Cup quarterfinal at home to Brighton um, mm. as well. So like there are still potentially two trophies on the table for United to take this year, as well as second place in the league. Um, no, I think there's stretches. I think you know the, the FA Cup should. The FA Cup is the, within so the remit of the three team, three main teams left. In there, you would think. Yeah, and uh, the Champions League. I think there is better teams there, but you know maybe the approach that he took to Seville last night would be the approach he take to Barcelona away as well and could come over with a nil nil draw because you have David De Gea, and I think we absolutely have to mention him before we go yeah. into the weekend's football. That save he made last night was one of the best I have ever seen. How he was able to pull that over the bar just before half time was just phenomenal it was an absolutely phenomenal he was he was four yards out with a header the, the striker did very little wrong he was putting that into the empty net it was a phenomenal if United managed to win the Champions League it would be the greatest achievement in Mourinho since he was in nappies if they somehow managed to win the Champions League they have Bigger as much more chance of winning the Champions League as I do of winning a marathon there are absolutely uh, no I, chance just, just for those no not, chance peace Pete hasn't been training. <laughs> no, <laughs> they have absolutely no chance of winning the league, the Champions League. They have a great chance of winning the FA Cup, obviously. Yeah. But outside of Bayern and Barca and Man City, they're but they, they start, no way. That's it. Like United were unimpressive. They still got a better result than Chelsea, who were impressive at times against Barcelona, and mm. conceded the away goal, one-one draw. Yeah, but Barcelona Can, versus City is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, but can you see Chelsea going to Camp Nou and turning them over? And can Chelsea out? can Chelsea go to Old Trafford and turn United over on the basis of those performances? Well, again, this is going to be a classic case of Mourinho setting up not to lose, as he won't want to lose to Conte. No. And we could see an absolutely drab affair in this match again. Um, you're looking at under two and a half goals. You're looking at a one-all draw or something poxy like that. I'd be thinking that was a Parky Quiver rather than watching this. Yeah, there's a double here in Parker Keeve, Kevin and, you know, even Cork and Kevin just to start off today in Cork and Waterford and Hurling. Like, jeez, I wouldn't be watching Man United and Chelsea. And it says a lot about what what the thought process towards those two One of the biggest games of the Premiership season. Yeah, and it's just... If both teams have their problems as United, then do they lack... 
I think flair in the same way. I think I think they have similar problems in that they don't both both attacks are not great. I mean Chelsea, if Hazard's obviously very good, but they have no out and out striker in their team. Morata, the more we see of him, the less I like him in the sense that he just he just really do a whole lot. He I, I think he's to be better in second year. I think give him his possibly so. Yeah. To be fair, it is, I would say that it is it is his first year, but to me. I don't know, lads. I, I can't see Chelsea going beyond the Camp Nou second leg in the Champions League. Was it, was I, it not, would it not give you hope that really the only good, decent chance they really gave Barcelona was the one off their own mistake, which led to the goal? They really did yeah, but hold it, Barcelona despite but having they, 30% possession. Yeah, but it's difficult for any team to go to Stamford Bridge because the pitch is tight. At Camp Nou, the pitch is expansive and the areas are suit Barcelona. And I think they will pull that Chelsea defence out of position at, not at will but when they, I think it could be a 3-0 3-1 job I, I can't see Chelsea getting any, anything over that, to be honest and United Chelsea oh, prediction for that no I'm sticking with my draws ok yeah, you're, you're right I, you're, you know, you're right like I can see this one all draw in this game and obviously it won't suit either team but we're draw central here today they'll do a number on each other kind of thing they'll just cancel each other out you would think like I'm going to have to give you a game that can't be a draw. So, Carabao Cup. We're going to move on to that. Do do we still care about this competition? Yeah, well, it's a good... Like, actually, my buzz was lifted there somewhat just by the mention of two teams that are going to actually play a game of football and come out and attack properly, in fairness, yeah. I think it matter. Look, it's irrelevant in a sense, but I think it could be actually a decent game, you know? It'll matter to Arsenal a lot more, won't it? They need... Um, will it, yeah. Will it, though? Like, you know, you're, Wenger's under pressure winning in the FA Cup the last few years. Yeah, that's true. Mm. You know, and coming to six, he's going to be six in the Premiership this year with the League Cup, and that's it. Yeah, that can't be good enough for a club of Arsenal standards. Like, but, it's, was it, but then at the same time, and you're right, but at the same time then, there are only three trophies, and I think, like, my personal opinion would be if the, tro- if the final was played later in the season, the way finals are normally played... I would prefer a, the competition. As a Spurs fan, would you be happy with a at this stage with a League Cup title and a sixth place Premiership finish? No. Okay. But we're like with the greatest but, respect, I think Tottenham are going that way. And as I point to this guy, and Arsenal have come back a small bit, you know. Yeah, but they're still the two biggest clubs in London. Two of the biggest clubs in London who have both the same aspirations in terms of winning titles. Yeah. And. You're saying that Arsenal should be happier with a thing uh, no, with a, a year in position no, better than No, I, no, I'm not. I'm not saying they should be happy. Or I'm just saying, given where they are now, given uh, it could give them a big boost. Whereas in the season, I'm not. <laughs> you think I'm just? Are you thinking I'm the anti Arsenal card? I'm not. Yeah. I'm actually saying no. Like I would love if Tottenham were in the final of competition. If the final was played in, we say six weeks time, I just think it, it's a joke of a competition. The way the final is played in. February, mm. you know, I just think really a final in February is just, you know, I, I that, that's from that for me devalues the competition. And it, it kind above of above all else, it really, it really does. <laughs> He's struggling here, guys. <laughs> it does, though. I'm not joking. It really does. Speaking like, of devaluing it, it's really the Claudio Bravo David Ospina final, isn't it? it yeah, that says a lot. Yeah. Well, we've spoken about. Well, Mikey mentioned David here. We're talking about another level of the goalkeeper here entirely. Um, 
If it goes to penalties, Man City will win, though, Bravo. Well, if it goes to penalties, we could be with there till Tuesday because I can't see them keeping anything ball out of either to them. Well, like, uh, to be fair, Dospin is, I think, is a better goalkeeper than Tony Bravo. I, I would actually have been rooting for us if, if Man City had beaten Wigan um, during, during the week and to keep their quadruple chases going. Um, I'd have been mm. roaring, shouting for us. And the fact that Man City can't get the quadruple now, um, I'm more inclined to. Actually, I, 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 I the fact care. the fact that Wigan beat City might be bad news for Arsenal. It could be. It could be. You know, because I, I think that I'd say Guardiola gave them a fair rollicking Tuesday morning Absolutely. because the team he had out in that pitch, even with 10 men, really shouldn't have been losing anyway. Mm. You know? And Aguero has avoided a suspension for the final two. Was that a yeah, fair call? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Aguero did. If you have a guy coming out there, and I, I've heard that he, there's, he's supposed to have spit at Aguero and started abusing him. Absolutely well within his right to have a go back, I think. Yes, I agree. I, I think he's well within his right to get the initial jab off. Mm. But I think he's absolutely ludicrous to try to not chase him that. I think that was too much. Like I, I think that crossed the line of this is where I this is where I need to be professional, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I know, you know? like Yavenza has run in from the stands. Yeah, I know. He just have to lose it and he's if he has spat, like and I don't know, but this is the rumour going around that he has spat him. Absolutely vile. Oh, 100%, you know, yeah. Which, which he then was justified to throw it at hand. But yeah. the chasing, jeez, you know. I know Rob Namara, who's often here, has said, or he was saying to me this week, he compared it to Eric Cantona lashing out back in the day in the 90s that Cantona had the book thrown at him in Jonathan Pierce's, I think, famous commentary of that incident. But uh, oh, yeah. Aguero avoided that. Rob thinks it's Shows how differently the two of them are treated, but is that uh, is that is that accurate? Is that fair? Yeah, or well, was Aguero within his rights to? But as I said, I think he was within his rights to give the initial jab. But then to chase to that, I think, oh geez, Sergio girls, please don't do that. That that's just a bit too far. Like, and I, I, you know, I know, I know it's grand for me to say it didn't happen to me or whatever, but. He's a prof- at the end of the day he's getting 200,000 a week or whatever he's getting but you know Man City came out straight away and defended cool, the player cool and, yeah. and they, they, they and made the right soundings yeah and he's threatened to he's threatening to, to take yeah, you so, so, so clearly whatever your man did was terrible <laughs> but, what, but like what happened when Eric, what happened to Eric Cantona when he had an opportunity to apologise or to give you he sat going on about the seagulls and the trawlers you know <laughs> he, he could have used an awful lot different of approach and like people saw that as well doesn't, doesn't get did, did Rob actually bring that up did he he made oh, Oh, yeah, of course course So will Aguero be the match winner in the League Cup? Uh, um, cup finals, normally no, throw not up no, I'm not going for a draw. I think City will win well. I think City will win well. I think they'll win by at least two goals in a high-scoring game. I think it'll be, we say, 3-1, maybe 3-2, something like that. I think they'll win by, at least, maybe two goals. I think they'll win by two goals. Maybe, say, 3-1 or something like that. I think we're going to extra time here and I think Arsenal will win. Draw again? Really? I think Arsenal will win. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Um, well, what I'll take away from that now is uh, that Mourinho, who coined the Vire term, is now turning into the Vire with, uh, <laughs> with the way he's going. Don't tell him. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Look, looking at, um, I suppose, very briefly at League of Ireland this weekend, Pete, Shamrock Rovers v Dundalk Atala, Cork City v Watford at Sharma's Cross are the yeah. big ones. I know you've Limerick Bows the meeting at two sides who have had winning starts. What, what stands out for you in that? Whatever about the Cork City and Waterford game, obviously it's a big game, but I think City's experience will be crucial. The Rovers and Dundalk match is a massive game, particularly for Rovers, because they've been talking a great game now for the last 18 months, 
and decided to put up or shut up and then put up a performance and because they were done in their run derby against Bowes they need a result against Dundalk which is obviously incredibly difficult to get like by losing to Bowes an inexperienced Bowes team last week they kind of made a rod for their own back mm-hmm. so to speak going into a game like this so you're playing Dundalk who themselves when they drew last week and also need to win so of all the games this weekend that is one I, if you're up in Dublin and you're a neutral sport I think there'll be a lot of neutrals in this game massive match Rovers have got to come out of the blocks and try and get into Dundalk's faces and get a result here because if they don't then Dundalk win for all the talk we had on the preview podcast last week about it being maybe slightly more open in terms of the teams chasing City and Dundalk if Dundalk win this and City beat Waterford you're probably looking down the barrel of Dundalk and City pulling away again in the season because Rovers were seen as the most likely team to bridge that gap and then all of a sudden they'd be six points behind yeah two very quick points on that I think if you're a sports fan, fan in Cork tomorrow evening you've got the Munster versus Glasgow Warrior games in Munster Park mm-hmm. and you've also got Cork City and Watford two absolutely brilliant occasions for the city um, and you're hopefully going to have been five and seven thousand at, at those games and I'm just going to give a quick hat tip to the guys here on board Examiner and Echo Towers for the coverage of the League of Ireland since it began um, like with the podcast here last week um, but with the coverage that it's getting um, especially after post pre and post games it's absolutely fantastic Fantastic, and I think it's your one-stop place for all the coverage of you. Even go down to like looking at the um, the Pro 14 matches with Munster and Glasgow, getting the full coverage despite the international weekend being on here. It's fantastic to see, and it's fantastic to see that the coverage is being uh, taken so seriously. We have the makings of a cock miner on that lad, Kelly, Mick. What do you think? Huh? Yes, everything. It's too many notions. It's a fair weather hurler, no guts. It's on match of the day, ought to be. Did you see him out there today? Jesus Christ, Kenny, look at the stadium. You haven't been up training all week. What's gotten into you? Exams next week. I'm doing a lot of study. Huh. That's not the story I hear. The other lads have exams too. It doesn't stop them coming up. Whatever about the training, there's always the match on Sunday. You'll be up for it, won't you? I don't know. There'll be county selectors there. If you play well, you'll make the minors you have it in you. If you make the county minors, you won't have to worry about exams. I've put young fellas through my hands. No education to speak of. They sailed into jobs in the bank. I want a bit more effort, lads. Now, we've the betons of this lot. With a bit more effort, we can bet them all the way back to Mitchellstown. But we must be merciless with them. Take no fucking prisoners. Oh, excuse me, Father. If you make more space for us, if you can take your guy out to the wing, right? And you play off him. There'll be more in your line to listen, Kelly. You think it was a camogie match the way you're playing? You're like a young one afraid of getting a ladder and a tights. We're not getting any ball in the forward line. What are we supposed to do? We're losing that midfield. Shut up! I'm in charge here. And if you came up training, maybe you'd get more of the ball. Where is he? Oh, not the line. Oh, where is he? You can forget about him! Oh! So it's one of those weekends in the GA where every competition is overlapping at once. I might suffer from burnout just from reading out all the games, but you have a full calendar of Allianz League hurling and football, including an All-Ireland football final rerun in Castlebar and a big doubleheader in Porky Keeve. On Saturday it's UL VDCU in the Fitzgibbon Cup. 
Nemo v Schlock Neil on Saturday afternoon in the All-Ireland Club semi-finals of football. You've Mayo Dublin and Monaghan Tyrone that evening. Sunday, Donegal to Kildare. Kerry Galway in Division 1 of the football. In Hurling, it's Kilkenny v Tip, Wexford v Clare, Cork v Waterford. That's all without even mentioning you've uh, All-Ireland Champions of Galway in Division 1B playing Dublin. Um, Stand out from the weekend's J action, Mikey. I'm with some boys there, but obviously yeah. I'm in the 11:25 a.m. train out of Kent Station to Port Leash to support my club in the All Ireland semi final. I am quietly confident of causing what, for whatever reasons, can seen as an upset. Um, Slackneil are going for their third final in four years, to be fair, and they have been a credit to the association. They, what they're doing up there is remarkable, and I just threw my pen half in the donkey style. Yeah. <laughs> On a serious note, what Schlack Deal are playing at at the moment, I don't know, but it's just absolutely unbelievable. They're a great club. Even their Camogie team have been carrying the flag there, like for the for the club in the north in Derry, and it's great for Derry football actually because they've kind of since that day they broke Cork's hearts in '93. It's been a long yeah. time since they've had oh. a team really making progress. So, be great for them. I don't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not advice, not, but on a serious note, it's, it's going to be a great game. I actually, I'm just hoping that it's a dry sod because we get a better game because I don't want it to be a turgid affair or being people dragging down on a horse bang if if it's um, does, if the weather isn't great. Does it hurt Nemo's superiority feelings that they're going in as underdogs? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, jeez, you know, they went in as big underdogs against Crokes, which was fair enough. To be fair, because Crokes are different class. But I really think they're being grossly underestimated for, for this game. A lot of neutrals are giving them very little chance, which I find very strange because I don't think they understand the mentality of the club. Like, you know, Nemo get to this stage of the competition and, and without sounding arrogant, they really believe they can win. So it's a young team ish. Like, obviously, Paddy Gumley and Tommaso share there and. They kind of make up for the, the younger legs, but I don't know, lads, and I'm not quite sure why Slackneel are such strongly fancied, even though they're a very good side. Maybe quietly confident we can turn them over. Yeah. I could be horribly wrong, but I, I'm genuinely think we have a great chance in having spoken to Larry Gavin at length about it this week. I know the players still think they think they have a good chance too. Yeah, Mikey, what do you look at from the weekend? I think you're in agreement that Nemo have a great chance there, but what else stands out for you? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm looking forward to the, the, the Nemo Slacknail game. I think as long as it's better than that game we saw <laughs> last weekend between uh, Cork Finn and Moorfield, uh, I think we'll all be happy. Better referring to would be a great start. Jeez, yeah. To be fair, Ray Carr probably ruined it as well. It did, yeah. Uh, but. I'm looking forward to it. There's two parts. Look, I'm looking forward to it. You might get to the minute, Steve, is Parky Ring into the doubleheader on Sunday. Mm. And we've already mentioned it. But um, there's two two games. One in the Hurling, Kilkenny against Tip, and uh, Nolan Park, and also in the football, I'm looking forward to Mayo and Dublin. Uh, the Kilkenny Tip game, I think this is a huge opportunity for Kilkenny given the number of players that Tipperary are missing, um, especially from their forward line, given the Fitzgibbon Cup final. At the Jason Ford, John McGregor. Yeah, absolutely. Gives a huge opportunity. No, it gives a huge opportunity for a number of players from Tip to. Stake a name because it was Ford last week against Wexford was just outstanding. His finishing was another level. Can I just say I've been toting that man's cause for the last two seasons? How is he not an automatic starter in that team? He couldn't do any wrong. The, well, he's had his ups and downs. He's 
Consistency was his issue. Yeah, it? he's had a few, like he was in the team at the start of one year and he missed, he got an illness on the day of the match and missed out. Mm-hmm. And, but he had, he had a great performance down in Nolan Park actually a few years ago in 2014, I think, or 2013, I think, which this could be as easy and good. Yeah, no, no, he's, he's started off very well anyway, especially in Catalan's absence playing in the number 14 spot. Um, and yeah. he was very impressive last weekend. He couldn't do any wrong actually. At the one point, I think he. He went to rise the ball up over someone. He managed to. He made a bit of a mess of it. Knocked it out for a sideline off the Wexford player's foot, and then knocked over knocked the sideline. Side that's right. He just couldn't do wrong. Yeah, and uh, that, that that and the hurling looks to be one of the, st- the standout games. Um, and I think Mayo and Dublin in the football. I think I expect Dublin to go up to Castlebar and beat or to beat Mayo. I think Dublin seem to be still at a level even this early in the year that's above most other teams. Uh, Mayo though will have that defeat to Galway in the back of their mind they will not want to be going two for two in defeats um, but I still think I think Dublin are just at another level even this early in the year and I've been telling them for the All-Ireland and nothing that I've seen so far in the early stages of the league has going to change my mind on that I think Dublin for the All-Ireland look a very safe bet I think um, th- th- those two games are and you've got another game actually in the the hurling which should be a bit of a cracker is clear against Wexford Mm. Uh, so in combination look you're not short of games and I think I echo what Pete said on Nemo I, I do hope for Cork football's sake that Nemo get to an All-Ireland final I think a few of these younger Nemo lads coming through would be great to get them experiencing Cork Park on the biggest day mm. um, it, it should be a very close game um, and I would hope I know Shrock Naylor in some places 4-7 to seven favourites um, Pete, I'm not quite too sure where they get that um, big favourite tag from and I think if anything, Nemo have more what I'd call footballers mm. than certainly and I hope we'll ever see them through. And speaking briefly of Cork football and big hurling games, the doubleheader in Porky Kiev. I mean, Cork and Waterford might be the most important match of the weekend for both teams. Both could do with a win. Waterford have had seven, eight and nine point losses now in their three games and Cork's impressive start in the first doubleheader has been a bit dented by the losses to Westford Clare. Do you know what? The losing team here are going to have a small problem in that if there is a losing team even a draw for a loss for both teams really in a way next game up is it it's getting to the point where Cork supporters are ridiculously impatient mm. as we all know always and the Waterford fans are re- beginning to get a bit antsy about the mm. performance like, like they should realise they have no interest in this competition whatsoever which is understandable surely and to get and relegated said that last year. yeah and is it, is it really that bad a situation to but get relegated at this stage no. not really would you worry though that like the players need a win to rebuild confidence in that winning habit that they've had a really undercooked start and you see any team you could, could say that but I think they clearly at the start of this campaign said let's forget it I, 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 we'll How I know you can't take a switch yeah. but there's enough of a gap between the league and the championship to get going but and I think if anything no personally lads I don't think Waterford will win the Ireland I think they have a chance but I, just, I think with Tom Devine back as he wrote in the column this week mm. his addition to that team is going to be very 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 important because when they let him go last year I thought forget it they have no chance he's the only guy kind of like we say with Richie Hogan mentality of get the ball go to goal mm. straight in this is first default setting we want to try and create a goal here Waterford need that badly even though they got like four in the semi-final last year but let's be honest they got a lot of those goals after Cockman up to 14 men he's going to be a big addition for them will they win the Ireland? I don't think so but they'll be closer with him involved on a regular basis I think they can go from doing nothing to being okay but again the structure of the championship this year as we all know going to make a big difference to the way that everything's going to go and the reality is 
no one in the country can honestly say to me, or can definitively say to me that I think this team is going to win the All Ireland with the structure and, and like I know I don't I honestly don't think that Tip and Galway are that far ahead of the posse now. No, but what, what I don't get about this, let's 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 be ready for me. Like you have guys, and I'm sure it's happening. What it's absolutely happening in Waterford. They've been training since November and December, January, February. They're training nearly twelve months all around at nearly professional level at these big counties and we call this the eight big hurling counties they're nearly doing it how they can be told to go from let's relax there about going out here in the league and don't don't bother putting it in like you know we, we want to be ready for it's it's the easy go to excuse I think if you, tell, if you tell any player to go relax it's a very hard mentality well, like, I don't think Ashley literally came out and said it to them but like I think it was and, and it's great they, they've used 30 players in the, in the league so far but like these 30 these are lads going for um, trying to get a jersey trying to get a panel position you know mm. they, they should be hungry if more hungry than the guys that are already established there I think in the Waterford's case is that their structure or their, their way of playing is now going to be outdated for this year's championship and I think they're feeling that in the league this year and I think they're going to struggle when it comes to the Munster Championship if they haven't tried something different as a plan B. Well, the reality is I know I know that Derek McGrath has done really well with this side and they've progressed and they have one or two league titles and Munster titles. Have they won a Munster title in this time? don't think they have. No, I think they have. No, they haven't actually. Yeah, so, but they've won a league and the thing about it is the reality is, and I've been saying this for a good few seasons now, is you can't play the way he plays this team and expect them to soar. If you watch them at under 21 level for the last couple of years, when the shackles were off and they played hurling and played conventionally, they have the players to play that type of game. I think we'll have to leave it there. We've gone over time, but wherever you're watching sport this weekend, it's bound to be a thriller. Best of luck and we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.